Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Horror Bites on Safeway, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I'm dying inside now at the call center and i'm joined by the flesh liker jake krieger hey man this week we're tucking into meat from the most suspicious looking deli and then we have more found footage at one of life's most terrifying locations the call center these games can be found on itch and if you play them enjoy them make them happy little games by helping the developers out with a few coins or maybe even just following their project so Jay, we are returning to developers of previous Horror Bites this week as they've put out new games. And first up, Jay, you have brought us a small bite from Dan McGrath. Yeah, and ironically, um, my game this week is all about consuming flesh. And it's uh, we're chatting about it the same week that we covered Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, mm. you know, my brain is operating in the uh, cannibalism sphere uh, this <laughs> week. But um, this is, as you mentioned, another game from Dan McGrath. And this one is called Bad Flesh. Um, we've, of course, covered two previous games of Dan's, that being Incident in Grove Lake and Our Lady of Sorrow. And Bad Flesh was developed for the Low Res Jam 23. And in this game, you are a flesh-consuming creature of some sort um, that mm. is instructed to eat bodies, but to ensure that you avoid eating any of the bad flesh. So essentially, you will be given sort of a little body that pops up on screen and you have to select different parts of the body to eat. You have a meter that you have to fill and essentially you're going to select the body parts that don't have these little red splotches on them, which is indicating that this is bad flesh or rotten flesh. Um, Once you've filled that meter of, you know, your flesh meter, essentially, um, you basically are going to go to sleep and wake up for the next day to do the same thing over and over. Um, so each of these days is broken up by a brief, very sort of vague conversation with another creature much like you that is telling you these sort of ominous things about, you know, the need to consume flesh, the sort of strangeness of these creatures morphology that it's alluding to. Um, I would say in terms of a narrative, right, you're not really following the traditional sort of, um, story, if you will, but it does a great job of just kind of supporting the ambience of this being this very weird sort of monster cannibalism driven uh, side of sort of just the uh, narrative and whatnot. So the gameplay gets broken up a little bit in terms of you go from consuming bodies to then you have to actually like do scans on your own body. So you scan your lungs at one point, you scan your brain and you have to kind of remove or eat 
the uh, the bad fleshy spots on your own body. Um, and yeah, you know, it's a pretty quick game. It's about a five minute experience. Um, but I think in typical fashion with a lot of Dan's games in a short amount of time, he's able to craft a vibe and mm-hmm. have some level of interaction. And, you know, it's not to say that this game has really a challenge to it. It's just selecting body parts, and then eating them. But I think that overall, you know, it does a great job of utilizing its art style, utilizing its sort of vagueness of its world. But if it's a world that's all about consuming flesh, uh, it kind of gives you the idea of uh, sort of the state of things, if you will. Um, mm. But I'm very curious how this one landed for you. What did you think of Bad Flesh? Yeah, as you say, it does just get that um, tone and vibe in there very quickly. Um, the ambiguity helps, I think, with a project like this. That's something we'll probably get into a bit actually with the second game. That sometimes keeping hold of that can be vital to sort of carrying the pace of something. You know, when it's five minutes, especially, you don't want to overload with information. You want to keep it simple, and it, this does that. And yeah. It, giving you this sort of mystery of like why are you doing this and like even when it kind of starts to explain it towards the end of it it's still like yeah but why you know in your head and that's the best you know that's always the best kind of short story isn't it yeah where you don't quite get the the full details of it and you're left with like wandering thoughts of what's going to happen you know the presentation of it is as you say very simple um uh, making those two mini games essentially of like you know, scanning your body as you said and like picking those little like weird bug type things, isn't there? I think that were on the skin, and yeah, even then, like not really giving you the logic of how that works, you know, like and just like, well, who's doing this? Are you doing this? Are you picking them out of your own brain literally, or are you are you literally reaching into your lungs to get rid of it? How does that? <laughs> you know, you, you think about it too much. It's like it's not like it's a flaw because of the way it's packaged. It makes it feel like it's part of this experience of like, well. None of this makes sense, really, if you're going to put it in a very human perspective, but it isn't really a human perspective. So that straight away makes it a really intriguing package. And yeah, I really liked what it did in that short time, told its little story and um, yeah, made it work. I think as best you can. Leaves enough open to really uh, allow it to breathe, if you will. (laughs) Well, you know, I think it's interesting when we talk about like the why, um, the why ends up being far less important or actually getting an answer when the game or a story in general is able to evoke a reaction yeah. to it. I would almost, it's a weird comparison, but comparing it to when I watched uh, Cronenberg's latest film, Crimes of the Future, where mm. you're trying to understand the why of this world. And at the end of the day, the why doesn't matter because what you're observing as the viewer is having an effect on your, or at least it had an effect on me, a pretty visceral one. So I stopped caring 25 minutes into the movie about why people are doing certain things or why something is the way that it is, because ultimately it's how what I'm seeing makes me feel. And that mm. is almost more important than any answers you could get with a project Absolutely. such as this, that is as small as it is, you know, I'm not expecting to have all the answers to some overarching narrative because like you said, it is this small little experience and that's not the point of it. What I know about this and what it makes me feel is very uncomfortable watching, you know, the teeth or the jaws ganache yeah. every time I go to eat a body part or having that face-to-face interaction with this very pixelated but clearly very disturbing creature that I'm talking to throughout the game and whatnot. Those 
emotions or feelings in reaction to those things ultimately I think is more important and more meaningful than this is why you are eating these bad flesh chunks or why you're avoiding them or this and that. And ultimately I think that for, you know, as we said, a five minute game, its ability to do that in a short period of time, not overload you very simplistic, but still having some, um, you know, moments that really do evoke some strangeness or visceral reactions um, is always a positive. Yeah. It's that thing that does where it taps into the, you know, retro sort of style in a way that is, familiar yet uncomfortable and i think yeah. those that teeth animation is mm. one such aspect is it because it kind of reminds you of something but you can't quite figure out what it is but it, like it, it evokes that era whilst also feeling like this thing about this game and i like that when when you get that kind of respectful use of this retro style you know it, it does help immensely to um sell these things absolutely Okay, so yeah, that is a. I mean, the other thing to sort of mention about that is you know that it is you know a much more compact, short you know experience made like it was in a game jam environment. It, it's good to see that from a developer that's made something so, you know, one of our favorite games of the year, and to do things like this is obviously really healthy for sort of getting ideas out there. And yeah, good to see that that's working on both scales, you know, like that, and then it. it makes me ever so curious to just sort of see the next level level you know that that dan can go to and um because i'm increasingly confident that you know he can do that you know and go to this whole other sort of plane with this stuff and yeah it's fun that it takes um seeing him do something this tiny to sort of like make that clearer as well and so, so something so ambiguous as well okay yeah it is good Basically, I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> um, so before we examine our second pick, we will take a suitably short break. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And welcome back. We are now onto our second pick. Uh, we covered the first entry in the Lancaster League by Jeremy Fisher not long ago, that entry being uh, O'Brien State Park. And at that time, we noted how curious we were about how this anthology game of found footage horror would go next. You know, because that was the promise it would take on different case files and different styles and different formats. Well, curiosity be sated because the Lancaster League Crisis at Call Centre is here and it is indeed a very different experience to the previous game. So here's the thing with this. I saw the Lancaster League, thought, oh cool, no one of those like that kind of forgot the idea that they could be different games and things like that. So when it turned out to be this sort of um, old school sort of fixed camera style game, I was like, oh, okay, I like this. I like that they're really jumping into a different sort of aspect of horror here straight away on the second one and um, fulfilling that promise. You know, once you do remember that they made that promise. (laughs) uh, (laughs) 
I say it's basically going through a call center, um, you know, footage taken from the security cameras, which, you know, in a very smart move, that's where the fixed cameras come into play. You know, they are just the angles of each camera in the building, which I thought was, you know, again, a really clever use of what they're doing in terms of idea with this series and, you know, for, you know, a modern take on doing these sort of fan footage games. Now, the idea is that there's this entity roaming around the halls that people don't seem to notice or see and it goes into these people who are working late and like wandering around doing menial tasks things like that and you see certain things here and again it's the pacing isn't quite as uh quick as the previous game this is like a 30 minute thing you know that you are pretty much in control a lot of the time uh small changes have been made to the systems like you know keeping up a lot of the dialogue, you know, the text that comes up on screen describing events stays on now so you get rid of it and like that. So because last time it kind of rushed out some of those bits. But yeah, the environments here look really good. You know, I think they do really capture that both, you know, footage from a grainy CCTV and old school sort of survival horror style games, which is, you know, a really intriguing mix. You know, I'm quite surprised we've not seen that before you know considering what fixed cameras can do and that for me was like the highlight you know to have a new way of doing found footage again you know and making it work this way some things slightly trouble me about it going forward i know we like the idea of this like built universe that they're making you know like all these stories and maybe it'll grow and interconnect the one problem here i find is that it feels a bit like a lot of things out there now in some of the aspects of how it's going through this story. And like, you know, these are case files and like that. And there's little hints that, yes, this is a continuing story and that there's involvement with whoever's being leaked these tapes and stuff like that. And it's wider conspiracy. But there doesn't feel like there's enough stuff to go into this. You know, lovely environments, you know, menial tasks, are fine as we've said before they work for horror really well in terms of like building anticipation but something about this structure doesn't work for it as well whereas it compared to other game types that have used it because usually it's a bit more tactile you know i think and or you know you are confined in a way that makes sense for the job here it's yeah the build-up doesn't work for me, you know, I think early tension and atmosphere is really good, but as it goes on, kind of waiting for something, kind of waiting for something, and then it feels like it rushes its ending, and then goes into this next section of, oh, and then we saw this last bit of footage from another event involving this entity, and it didn't really see much, and it's not really paid off very well. It feels a bit sloppy compared to the previous one, which is disappointing. But I think, you know, given this nature of um, having an anthology and having different styles and different, not and not trying to make the same game each time, you know, and that includes tone and style and gameplay and all this, means you are going to have ones that don't you don't like as much as the previous one. Now, I still think it's really well made, really well put together and adds something to the overall project but you know, I have those tiny concerns 
And I think this is a bit of a miss in terms of like fulfilling a story. You know, I think great little snippet of a game idea with, you know, really well put together, just not quite finishing it off. How about you on this one? How did you uh, get on with it? Yeah, you know, I I think I was a little more impressed with the world building perhaps than you were. But before I get to that, I want to, you know, piggyback off of what you said about first and foremost, the fact that the second entry in the Lancaster leak is going in the complete opposite direction was a fantastic surprise, right? And it's not to say that, oh, if they had continued to do these, you know, first person sort of found footage stories, that would have been an issue, but that's what we expected, right? Because that's so often what you see with these types of experiences and not that there are a great deal of them that continue, but you see it more so from the same developer, right? It's like, oh, I did a first person found footage and it was really successful. I'm going to do another one. And, you know, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's nice to see a project kind of, uh, you know, stretch its legs in a new direction, if you will. And if anything, the presentation is just as impressive as yes. we said, you know, the fact that they have multiple different angles for these different parts of the facility and whatnot, really, really impressive. I also love the context for the found footage and the utilization of those different camera angles, which, you know, that's something we've talked about a lot with like found footage films. Does a found yeah. footage film actually justify the use of that format? Sometimes yeah. yes, sometimes no. And with this crisis of call center, it absolutely does. And it's mostly because of those little bits of dialogue at the bottom that you get, which are annotations from, you know, the FBI that have been, you know, viewing mm. these tapes and giving you these bits of background information. So like when you click on your computer to read your email, it says, oh, we can see this be as the result of spyware that's been installed by the government. Or when you go into a bathroom, it says, oh, this is a hidden camera that's been placed here by an agent or something like yeah. that. So like those little, little bits of detail really do add to, I think the sinister nature of the Lancaster leak tapes, which is much more prevalent here. It's right. not as prevalent in the previous entry because it's more along the lines of like, you get those warnings before certain slides, which is just saying like, this will be traumatic if you view this or have proper clearance. Yeah. But here it's far more sinister in showing, you know, the government is not only aware of these entities, but they're basically running these experiments and utilizing uh, sort of just everyday people regardless of of if they are going to um, you know die as a result of that. Because I think early yeah. on it tells you, oh, the government realized there was an entity here three days prior to it killing everybody or something like <laughs> that. And the fact that they didn't warn people because they want to learn basically how they can harness this creature to their benefit, which, you know, it, yeah. it reminded me a lot of in like the X-Files with the smoking man and how yeah. sometimes you would get to a point in a season where it would be monster of the week, but then there'd be this overarching conspiracy narrative. And this really did sort of shift the focus, I think, from the first entry of Lancaster leak, which felt like a monster of the week approach to something that's a little more nefarious in terms of, you know, the realization that, oh, not only does the government know about these entities, but they're using us as like test mice basically to see yeah. all the different sort of abilities and, like I said, the ways that that can be harnessed. Um, I would say to, you know, agree with what you were saying about sort of the buildup and the pacing. We've, of course, championed a lot of games in the past that have, um, you know, lulled the player into a sense of, a sense of comfort from the mundane, right? Mm. The fact that you're doing these tasks over and over, nothing happens. And then when something does happen, breaks the mundanity of it. And all of a sudden it's more impactful. 
it doesn't really work here. And I think part of it is the structure, right? And that you're given a heads up that, you know, the first night the entity was seen, the subject didn't see it, but the player sees it. Second mm. night, it's the same thing. And that sort of full reveal doesn't really work for me in the same way that it did in the previous game, because in the previous one, you didn't see it. You know, it's like the best yeah. structured horror films. You don't see the monster and all its fucked up glory until the third act, because otherwise, once you get to that third act, if you've seen the monster in full, it's not as scary. And here, that's definitely an issue, I think, in that yeah. the monster is shown from day one or night one rather, and then you kind of just know what it looks like. So that way, when you have a reveal later, it's like, well, yeah, I've already seen this. It's no longer really scary um, in a way that, you know, you would hope, I think. Yeah. I mean, several things kind of start to bug me about that because the creature design is okay. And yeah, I know it gets hard to sort of differentiate. And there's like a million and one things out there doing like SDP style stuff and mm -hmm. like Internet Legends of Strange Creatures and their design. And it all ends up sort of recycling into itself sometimes because why wouldn't it? You know, you can't, that can't be helped. But yeah, as you say, showing it as early as you do, it's that difference between the Blair Witch Project and Blair Witch, isn't it? It's like, like you can have a really good structure and idea, but you know, if you're missing the point of what maybe worked well in the first one, then yeah, maybe that's going to be a problem. Again, we have to sort of go back to this idea that it shouldn't have to follow the same rules as the last game if they are truly going an anthology route rather than just sequels and things like that. So, you know, I th it's obviously a very deliberate decision like that. You know, So I, I fully appreciate that. And that's why I don't want to judge it too much on the basis of the first game. But yeah, as a game as it is, what I was saying earlier about, you know, detail and ambiguity, it's just a little too much um, detail. Like that end screed about what, the monster is and what it does and like that to me didn't really fit with anything i'd seen you know like that like um this thing about it tormenting people psychologically didn't feel right you know like that yeah i don't nothing about the game suggested that to me and that was you know, a bit disappointing like that and that's the problem when you show more of something you have more of a basis to go well this doesn't correlate with this you know like that um, and yeah, so that that part didn't work for me, but I think the main thing we're getting at here is that the idea is sound. Um, structure initially is very sound to it. I think it's a really smart idea using security cameras like that in a found mm. footage games. Like considering we've talked about many games this year doing the whole found footage thing in really interesting ways and stepping out of like established ideas and like. Just doing a game like that, brilliant idea. Brilliant idea. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's a shame that it was kind of wasted on this because that sounds wrong for a game that isn't bad necessarily. It's just disappointing given the standards we'd had with the first one, which, you know, in itself wasn't like some great deviation from the plan, you know, from what we've seen out there. It's just, it did it in an interesting way, which set up something very interesting. And yeah, I, I suppose we, we shall see. I think the next one, again, will have just as much curiosity from us as this one was going to, because now we've seen it done two different ways and felt differently about them. It will be very interesting to sort of see where the next step goes 
and if it's going to be a reaction or a plan, already planned out thing like that. So, yeah, I, I think that's the interesting thing about it. And you know, trying different things is the best thing you could do with these. Yeah, and for that alone, you, you know, it's worth trying out and experiencing on that level. So yeah, there you go. They can't all be winners, as they say, but it is you know at least given us something to talk about which and discuss at length, which is always the grand thing. And, you know, outside of certain social media sites where, you know, the idea is to be as outrageous in your opinion as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to go, yeah, I like this and I don't like this about it. You know, and um, mm -hmm. and maybe talk about that in a way that isn't just screaming. So, yes. <laughs> so it, it's uh, always <laughs> interesting. <laughs> which seems to be more and more of a rarity these days. Yes, yes. I'm sure we'll get there one day, Jay. <laughs> anyway uh we're wrapping things up for this week uh but if you are a developer of an indie horror game demo concept or game jam entry we'd love to hear from you you can drop us a dm at safer in pod on what was twitter or safer in pod at gmail.com for email if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed there that's generally the best places nowadays i think uh, in terms of uh where we can get the best from you, I think, at this point. Jay, it has been a pleasure as always. We'll see you all next week, but in the meantime, we'll keep searching for more horror bites. <laughs>